Welcome to episode 133 of the Adventure Audio Podcast. Just a quick recap of some things that have been happening uh, in the world of cycling. And then just for fun, we have a rundown of some cycling terminology, which I've been asked about many times uh, over the several decades that I've been pretty into the sport. And um, people who are coming into it always have questions about like, what does this mean? What does that mean? We have this funny uh, vocabulary in cycling that we talk about. So I kind of quiz Tyler on some of this stuff, see if I can stump him and let him explain uh, what some of these terms mean. So we hope you find it fun. Uh, please reach out if you have questions or comments, or if there's something you'd like us to cover, hit us up anytime at adventureaudiopodcast at gmail.com. And if you haven't seen yet already, we are also publishing episodes on YouTube. I've usually got them up about a day behind the audio version in podcast format. But if you would prefer to see the video content, you can follow us and subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, which is Adventure Audio Podcast on YouTube. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the State Bicycle Company, who you can check out at statebicycle.com. State has a whole bunch of rad stuff all of the time. It's constantly evolving their product line. I think they're doing their last run of Wu-Tang Clan uh, edition uh, merchandise and bicycles. So check them out, statebicycle.com. And of course, one of the best things you can do is just give them a follow because they do all kinds of cool stuff on social media. And it is a great way to follow along when they are doing any type of promotion or seasonal stuff. And additionally, the podcast is brought to you by Wheel Science. Wheel Science builds high-performance carbon fiber wheels for all types of bicycling. So if you are uh, into any type of performance cycling, whether it's triathlon or gravel or anything in between, check them out at wheelscience.com. You can use code ADVENTUREAUDIO. That'll give you 10% off anything that they have in stock, but they also specialize in consulting with you but a wheel build. So reach out to them if you're curious or you have questions and don't waste your money. There's so many different ways that you can go with carbon fiber wheels. Get a good, smart recommendation about what you need and what you're looking for. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, if you are able to subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast platform you're finding us, please do so. That helps us find new listeners. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week. So yeah, we've just seen the world championships happen, right? This past weekend. So we can, we can talk about that a little bit. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, and uh, Remco Evenpool has won both the Vuelta Hispana and the world championships within what, a week of one another or two weeks? Yeah, maybe a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. 22 years old. Yeah. Impressive kid, you know, up, up, you know, huge promise. He, tons of potential he'd been winning a lot of big races but now all of a sudden he's really uh you know come of age and he is you know look out you know he won the world championships convincingly and i think the Volta pretty convincingly you know without you know at times having to you know defend in the in the high mountains at the end kind of by himself so he did he did a great job pretty really impressive yeah, and uh, how many Belgian world champions have there been? I I don't know. I mean, obviously Eddie Merckx would have won. Um, I'm trying to think of who else would have maybe been a Belgian world champion. There's, it's it's not a super long list. Yeah, you probably lots, go back too far, right? Lots, lots, lots. Yeah. Um, but um, let's see. Van Vluten from on the on the women's side had a great. Um, I think she broke her elbow or something like that. 
in, the, in one of the time trials and then uh, came back and won the road race. Attacked, I think, I, I only heard this, I heard it like she attacked with like 900 meters to go to win with a broken elbow, you know, and she did it seated. That's I pretty, can't even you imagine. Know, maybe you told me that. Somebody no, no, me. that wasn't me. I guess you know about finishing races with broken bones. Oh. Yeah, no, that sounds absolutely awesome. But it's, um, I mean, the whole the whole event seemed absolutely fantastic and really, really well done, um, really well put together. And uh, I think some big news out of Canada. Isn't Montreal getting the World Championships in the next couple of years? Ooh, I, I think, don't know. That would be cool. I think they I think they may have secured that. So that's pretty cool. And now I'm just looking it up. So uh, Philip Gilbert or Philippe Gilbert won yeah. Belgium in 12 in 2012. Tom Boonen, of course, has won the world championship. Yeah, it's not it's not as many as you might think. So Eddie won it a bunch of times. So, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. But now we've got Evan Pohl. Um, like how many, how many guys that could win a grand tour are under 26 years old right now? Yeah. I was thinking about that today. Yeah. I was thinking about that today. Pretty it's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. Like I've told you before, I'm a pretty big NBA fan. I love basketball. It's cycling is the same way right now. There's a crazy amount of young talent and you know, not everybody's going to become a super duper star, but it seems like there's like 10 people who could. It's it's crazy. It's unpredictable, and I like it. You know, it keeps yeah. it exciting. Like, um, yeah, I'm, geez, I'm trying to think of even some of the people that we've seen over the last couple of years, but it's absolutely wild. So that's been fun to watch. I, and I don't know if there's any other big pro races on the calendar. I think everything's pretty much cyclocross now, right? I think we're pretty much through the season. I think uh, they have Lombard Lombardia, the last um, um, last monument. Okay. Italy. Or and is that next next week? It's in the next, next week or two. Okay. Yeah. So it's what a fun season. It's I've been enjoying partly because of the podcast, but I've been paying more attention to pro cycling than I have uh, probably in a while. And it's been really, really fun to watch. And both on the men's and first of all, the ladies side is becoming more exciting because there's more coverage. So the excitement was probably there. We just didn't know about it as much and we didn't get the kind of coverage that we could. Um, and what I really love about this generation too, is that you get to understand a lot more about people's personalities than you did in pre previous generations. So we've talked about social media at both as friends and also on the podcast. It's not perfect. It's got a lot of pitfalls, especially for young people. I think, um, I've got two teenagers, so I'm pretty aware of trying to manage that, but there's some magic How's in it, right? <laughs> that's a whole other podcast man we'll talk about that another day but um but it's it's really cool because you feel like you know people in a different way right like in your generation we get two minutes after a race you're full of adrenaline uh, kind of half out of your mind and you don't really get to know people that way um but we do it in yeah, totally yeah, you have a few sound bites and you call it good right yeah yeah, but a lot of people do a pretty good job of letting you into their world. And then the racing becomes more exciting because you kind of like you like somebody a little bit or maybe you are kind of rooting against somebody a little bit. But that's kind of all part of the fun and the pageantry of it. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be just awesome for years to come. I would say bike race, you know, 
at least road cycling right now is the, the most exciting it's ever been, you know, argu arguably, right? Super exciting, you know, every race, you don't know who's going to win. You know, we thought, everyone thought they knew who was going to win the tour this summer. No, you know, surprise, surprise, right? Same with the Volta, right? Boom. Big time. A new world. Yeah, now we have a new, like, King of Belgium, so. Yep. And there was, like, an interesting period of time between your generation, this generation, and there was sort of a middle generation, which would be, like, Wiggins and Froome. I know Froome's still racing, but, you know, like, that yep. that gap. Um, I lost a little bit of interest in, in pro cycling. I think a lot of people did. One is fatigue about doping and drugs, and for sure, that's real, right? That definitely drove some people away. But it also started to, when we talked about this before, it felt like it was sort of devolving to just like, if you knew what everybody's watts per kilo were going into a race, it felt like a foregone conclusion. And it felt like that, like some of the quote unquote romance was taken out of the sport a little bit that way and, and panache or whatever term you want to use for it. But that hasn't been the case at all. It's like, it's never been more exciting or more unpredictable. And they're mixing in gravel and different surfaces. And it's just the whole thing is... It's like a circus. It's so much fun to watch. Yeah, it's great. It's good. it's fun to be a fan, don't you think? Completely, and and that people are um, like Tom Pidcock, like these cross disciplinarian cyclists. Yeah, it's just a blast to watch. And then, and as people get into a different stage of their career, some people are doing it a little bit earlier, some people are doing it a little bit later, but they have these second careers. If they're into it, if they're into keeping up with the training and stuff, like Rob Britton, who we're going to try and have on the podcast, he's been kicking ass all over these events all over Canada, uh, leaving the Pro Tour. He's quote unquote retired, but I don't know how much he's riding. It's a crazy amount, but he's doing gravel races and mountain bike stage races. And it's really cool that people can go out in all these different directions. Totally. I just listened to a great podcast uh, done by Ted King. He interviewed uh, Keel Ryan. Keel uh, retired off the world tour and went into gravel, you know, kind of in the twilight twilight of his career. And uh, he was trying to do two jobs, like, you know, his gravel job, and then I think a, a job off the bike. And he figured out that he couldn't, he can't do that. It's you know, he needs to train more and take it more seriously because it's because the guys and gals he's racing against are taking it really seriously, like crap. Gravel, they say, is changing every year. It's getting more and more serious. And I mean, yeah, we're gonna see like we're gonna probably see some team, you know, a lot more teams coming into it, team tactics. I don't know. Yeah. Although it's kind of not in the spirit of gravel, but I think that's just the way it's gonna go. You know, there's gonna be a lot of attention if you win these kind of races. So teams it's are gonna take evolution it. things. I think. Yeah. But like yeah. even when Ted retired, like how much? When was that? Four or five years ago. Like, look at how much things have changed since then, right? I mean, yeah. and not to take anything away. I don't think they called it gravel back then, even. Maybe not even. Yeah. yeah I think they call it gravel grind, gravel grinding or something. Gravel like grinding. Something yeah. Or yeah. our uh, alternative surfaces or whatever. But, you know, you think about like back then, back then, it's not very long ago, you really could just sort of retire with World Tour Fitness and then just mm -hmm. go start like, kicking ass with i think probably taking a few logs off of the fire but that competition level has like just gotten cranked up through the roof and has attracted so much talent that any one of these races is just like a who's who of quote unquote retired pros current pros p 
people taking a quick break from Europe and coming back to do, you know, what, whatever, pick your Belgian waffle ride or whatever. There's, there's some heavy, heavy hitters showing up to all of these events. And it's, it's, it's super fun to watch. And some of them are small grassroots events and some of them are really big and well-organized or, well, some of the small ones are well-organized too, but um, yeah, it's, it's an absolute blast as a fan and coverage is getting better. We can do a lot more than we used to be able to do with drone footage and stuff. Like you used to need to have helicopters for that, that type of, those types of shots and cycling such a beautiful sport, but you can't, you can't appreciate it. Um, unless we get that kind of like exposure, right. Which was reserved for grand tours, world championships, Olympics and stuff like that before. But now, now we're starting to see it all over the place and you, you can see awesome race recaps on YouTube sure helps as a cycling fan. You can get buried in some rabbit holes. So, yeah, it's a blast. It's been awesome. Okay. So for for fun and for we kicks, should, hey, real quick, we should have Keel on the podcast. Let's yeah. have him on. He's he's doing cool things. Definitely. There's now's our window, right? Now October, November, December is when we're going to get a bunch of people who are taking their volume down a little bit, and we can. Uh, we can pack in a whole bunch of guests because now is when they're coming into their, again, you know, off seasons have become different than they used to be that you don't need to have an off season unless you want one, but certainly the race calendar is going to open up quite a bit. So we can uh, start packing some people in. And for listeners, if there's somebody that you would love to hear in this format and have, a, have on, and maybe that we haven't thought of or talked about on the podcast, just shoot us a note and give us a suggestion. We are always open hearing it. So, for, for kicks, I wanted to, uh, we've talked about doing a little rundown of some cycling terminology because this is a weird and nebulous thing for people, especially as they're new to the sport. And strangely, particularly in road cycling, there's this whole different sort of like vernacular to it, uh, probably because it has developed in numerous parts of the world, right? So it's a whole bunch of different languages kind of getting smushed together into uh, like a cycling dialogue but i've had people a tease me about it b have no idea what i'm talking about when i've used some of these terms so we're gonna we're gonna do a rundown for people and uh and i'm gonna see if i can stump you on any of them so you're gonna you're gonna give me the answers on what these things mean and we're gonna see if uh if we can get you on any of them okay so some of these are gonna be layups so for the listener what what is arrow when somebody says arrow what are they talking about for me yeah aerodynamic. okay and that can refer to what like your riding position obviously sure your bike your, wheel. your bike, wheels bike. your bike. clothing your facial hair <laughs> everything arrow. Yeah. yeah everything is subject to arrow right yeah especially when you're doing it for a living okay what does attack mean when you attack the peloton when you surge ahead or sprint ahead of the group okay okay so it's it's a it is a uh and they're typically a surprise attack too right so you would stand up and start most of the time yeah you try to do it as much of a surprise as possible okay then in the pro peloton is there what level of gamesmanship when you were planning an attack would you would you have like would you physically try and look like you were suffering, like would, is there some is there some theatrics going on in that too, even within the small space that you're in to try and like have people stop concerning themselves with you? Not all the time, but sometimes. 
Yeah. I mean, that can't be your, your MO all the time, but, right? Because then people know, right? <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to me because like there's, it's just like any other sport where there's like these subtle moves, um, like a basketball player with their footwork or, you know, a quarterback in their footwork. Like there's all of these little nuances and there clearly is too, especially within the Peloton. Okay, there's two things that are, that, that sound like they're kind of the same thing, but they're not. So what is the difference between blowing up and bonking? Uh, blowing up, blowing up is when you're when you've just gone way too hard and you're just yeah you've hit the limit and you're totally up the limit. right it's yeah just down down downhill uh, bonkings yeah when you run out of sugar blood sugar yes yeah, run out of fuel yeah. yeah okay so one is for running your engine too hot and one is not giving it enough fuel sure right they're not the same thing they both feel like shit but they're not the same thing. Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. Got bombs uh, many times. Many times. So many times. Okay. This is one of the ones that I might get you on. I'm not sure. What's a brevet? Brevet? Yeah. Does it have to do with like a long distance cycling event? Ah, it does. Yeah. Shit. You got me. Okay. I thought I might get you there. Is? A brevet yeah. is like a like a partial randonneur ride. What? So what's randonneuring? Like a long distance spread, right? Crazy long, but, yeah. What we call ultra, right? Yeah. Sure. Exactly. Okay. Uh, what's a what's a chamois? That one's easy. I think most people who yeah, listen. Come on, next question. Next. That's. <laughs> you you <laughs> want to explain that? Okay. Bunny hop. Bunny hop. The chamois is the diaper-ish the looking pad in your bike shorts, which if you aren't riding with a chamois. Steve O'Shaughnessy, if you're listening, you should be riding with a chamois for sure. Uh, okay. Did he do the tour divide with or without? The whole thing, no chamois. Took boxers. I mean, that's just like that's it, dangerous. Just paying me. <laughs> totally. Totally, man. I don't know. I'm gonna tag him in this post when we launch this one. I think that's just like adding a degree of difficulty that that makes no sense. I don't care if you have a Brooks saddle or however, whatever way you've talked yourself into that making sense. That doesn't make sense. Not to me. Okay, what are what are matches? Matches? <clears throat> uh, I mean, I always say you, you got one book of matches to, you know, burn in every race. Yeah. And do you get and do you get to know how many matches are in the matchbook before a race starts? Or is it a bit of a mystery? I mean, typically you have a, let's call it twenty matches to burn through a through a race, right? Got to be careful. I don't know. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully you have a lot more matches than that. But yeah, use them judiciously. Yeah, you only but have so many matches to burn every day. It's so. it's a reference to uh, a large effort, right? And how and how how many of those you can use? Yeah. Okay, so what what is being on the rivet? We talked about that a little bit the other day, but we didn't record it. Yeah, on the rivet, just they always use this sign language here, like. On the rivets, that being right, right, just hanging on for dear life, you know, right there, uh, about to, about to blow up. But it, yeah, right, it's the stage right before blowing up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, and that expression actually comes from when saddles were made with rivets, and it's from in an effort oh. to get every ounce of power out of the bike. You're literally leaning forward and getting your body 
harder on into the front of the, on the rivets on your saddle. So that's, that's where that actually comes from. But I had to look that up. I knew what the expression meant from watching the Tour de France on TV and Phil Leggett is probably how I know what that means, but I didn't know its origin. So I had to look that up. Okay. This one, this one, I, I spend a lot of time um, being careful to not sound like a cycling snob. I want, this is an inclusive sport. I don't care what you look like, what your background is, what kind of bike you ride. Like you're getting away from me. I don't care if you're riding a townie or anything. But what is a century ride? Because this one I'm a bit of a cycling snob about. 100 miles. Exactly. So I'm Canadian. Everybody who listens to this podcast regularly knows that I'm Canadian. And I believe in the metric system. But a century ride is 100 miles. It's not 100 kilometers. I'm sorry, everybody. It's not. A century is, I know what century means. I know it means 100. But if you're talking in cycling terms, a century is 100 miles. That's not to take anything away from your 100K ride. That's an impressive achievement in its own. But it's a 100K ride. And a century is 100 miles. Or the metric century, right? It's a 100K ride. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, that one I feel strongly about. I don't know why, but there's something about that one to me. A century is 100 miles. Um, when I told Jim I was going to last summer, summer before, I can't remember which, I told him I was going to do a double century, and he wrote back, metric? Question mark. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, that's not right. Okay, what's an endo? And that was when you go over the bars. There you yeah. go. That's how, I broke the back. that's how I broke my back. Is it? You, I've never actually asked you about that. You were on a mountain bike, right? Yeah, I was training with the University of, University of Colorado cycling team, or uh, oh, ski team. Were you on single track? Dry line, tra dry line training. We were on like this um, cyclocross course, and we're, they were making us race around it. Yeah. So you treat it like the world championships, and... I went over a bump way too fast. One bump on one time bounced on my front wheel. The next time, like head first into the ground. Like top of your head. Yeah, yeah. And you broke the vertebrae from compression. Uh, my third and fourth thoracic. That was an endo. That was a good one. So that's what endo means. Okay, this one is subject to some debate because I think I've heard this con this term used in two different contexts but what's a half wheeler yeah i don't like those <laughs> yeah i mean as a pro you learn to ride i mean you're riding so much you know 30 40 hours a week and when you're riding with somebody else you try to really ride you know side by side you know not two three inches ahead of the next the person next to you when you do that, it gets really annoying. And where there are other people behind, if you if they're half wheeling in the front and there are people behind it, it messes up the whole group. So, <clears throat> yeah, I don't okay. like half wheelers, but it happens. You know, it happens. Yeah. So I've heard that term used in two contexts. One is one in that it's annoying because the person's always just edging up front, like it's an ego thing, and they need to be just like a half wheel ahead, uh, which does sound annoying. But I've also heard it in the context of behind don't overlap wheels, right? Because even the smallest, oh, there's a pop can or whatever, and then you've suddenly created this domino effect off the back of a group, right? And not, um, so So for one of the main barriers that I've heard from people uh, getting into road cycling is they're just not comfortable riding in a pack. I don't know why I'm comfortable riding in a pack. Maybe because I started young enough that I my uh, 
brain wasn't developed enough <laughs> to be scared of it. But I'm totally okay riding like tight wheels and stuff like that. But that's that's a huge no-no. Like never get, especially if you're drafting, right? And if you're trying to draft in crosswinds, uh, well, maybe don't, unless you're in a race, right? Maybe don't draft in crosswinds and try and get in those 45 degree angles because then, then you're getting wide and long and you need closed roads and it's a completely different game, right? But I remember Steve Pucci talking about sending you up to half wheel people, which is a way of sort of shaming them back into the pack, right? Which is a different terminology. But when you're riding in a group like two by two, like there's always going to be maybe one rider who's stronger than the other and whatever. You just pull, you try to pull for the same amount of time at the same speed and then you pull off, right? And let the next two come up. That's that's the ideal way to kind of. So when you're riding in an abreast pace line, people who are listening and not. This is like just training. If you're racing or, or, you know, on a, you know, training kind of race type ride like that's different but like yeah this is only a group ride you know long winter rides and you're you know riding four or five hours with the group like you know you pull and then at towards the end if you're one of the stronger ones you know you take longer pulls at the front you know with another stronger rider you know but you keep it you don't half wheel each other like that it's a pain in the butt this is only our fourth video podcast and we're already talking with our hands as though people can see us but most people are still downloading the podcast, not watching the video. So what we're doing with our hands is explaining that, uh, like if you're riding next to each other at a pace line, right? And, and groups of twos rather than a singular pace line, exactly. which is an efficient way to train. But then when you guys would do that in training, you'd both split off on opposite sides and let the followers come up the middle and then you'd catch on back. Got it. Okay. Uh, Another one that has two different meanings, pain cave. Yeah, pain cave just when you're whatever, or you could also call it the hurt locker. <laughs> yeah. You're just in it, suffering, suffering really bad. Yeah. Wanting, wanting it to end the effort or, yeah. So that's, that's one, that's com the common terminology. And I think when I first heard it, pain cave is a psychological place that you're in, right? <laughs> Where you're, focus gets really narrowed and you can just only like concentrate on not getting dropped right you're like right about to blow up and you are in the pain cave but i've also heard it used to describe a physical place which is where your trainer is set up and you've built your pain cave oh yeah right so not to be confused with one another the different places the psychological pain cave and there's the physical pain cave I don't, I don't have a pain cave here at home. Do you? I do have a pain cave. Yep. Sorry. I do. Oh, really? I should maybe get one for this winter. You should. You should. It's, uh, you know, it's worth it. You, what were you, were you a rollers guy? Um, I used to do rollers a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That was pre, pre trainers, right? But now I don't have to anymore. Now, what's that? Well, you don't have it now because you don't have to. Yeah, I'd rather just get outside. And yeah, anything. it's different. It's different. I keep getting these. And these. I think I have some scars from the, all that. Too much of that because you had to. I, you had to ride inside when you couldn't. You had to just do it all inside. And and, the, and riding inside wasn't that much fun back then. You know. 
Yeah, I can see it in your face that you're like done with it. Yeah. Okay, what's an LBS? LBS. Oh, I got you right at the end. Local bike shop. Oh, I like that. Um, okay, off the back and on the front. What do those mean? Off the back is when you've been like kind of dropped from like the main peloton. That's when I'm considered being called off the back. Uh, off the fronts, yeah, when you're maybe in a, in a breakaway of some sort, you know, ahead of the main peloton. Yeah, and there's about a hundred terms for off the back, right? Oh, yeah. There's like the elastic snapped. There's all I've heard. <laughs> I've heard a whole bunch of. Yeah, and the groupetto. The groupetto is like usually like the last group of some significance. Right, right. Like right before the uh, the what do they call it? The broom wagon or what's the? Yeah, usually usually the broom wagon is not too far behind. It goes peloton, maybe second peloton. Groupetto, broom wagon. Maybe a few stragglers out the groupetto. Yeah, yeah. I've been that guy before. That last one, brutal. Literally last. Yeah, and I, uh, one time because I, uh, I, I had like a double flat, and the team car drove right by me. I, I, had, to, <laughs> I had to get in the broom wagon. Yeah, I think it was in Belgium somewhere in that like a cobble race. Can't remember the name of it. It's so funny. It's man, like as an amateur and but who has been in, in a real pain cave a number of times that I've and I've put myself there. It's such a weird thing because you watch pros and everybody looks so strong, right? Like with the occasional exception, you can see that they're like that their body language has changed and that they're that they're hurting, but everybody seems so strong. But every single account of any pro that I've ever listened to on a podcast or or read their book, or everybody's got a story about how they were just agonizing and just wanted to quit so bad. But like they, this was a race they were quote unquote supposed to finish, right? It's on the, and there's ones that you're sort of permissed to quit, like get to a certain point, help the team to a certain point, And then if you want to pull the shoot there, you can. Yeah. Uh, but everybody, it's like every single pro has had those experiences where they're just like, oh my God, I just want to get in that car. <laughs> I'm so done, right? A, a list of them, a list of them, for sure. Yeah. How do you keep coming back? That's not on my list of questions, but like, man, how do you just scrape that away for the next race? Because you probably have another one like the next weekend, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of, you know, as a pro, there was a lot of pressure on you to perform to, you know, you usually had two year contracts, right? And then you better be performing, you know, if you're not didn't perform in year one, you better be performing in year two. Yeah, yeah. you only have so much time. And there was, so much yeah, and you're just, you're motivated, you know, it's like kind of once in a lifetime opportunity. So I was like, you know, you weren't going to get that chance again. So you might as well give it all you got. Yeah, it's crazy. So that's the list that I had. So I want listeners to hit us up because they're obviously this goes long and deep. We can get into mountain biking. We can get into some gravel terminology, which is developing its whole own language around it and culture. And they're all subtle, right? Like there's not, it's, um, they've all got their like little things and some, some of these terminologies cross over from one to another, but not all of them. Like I've never heard a, a road cyclist call somebody a Fred, but I've heard mountain bikers say that so there's like all kinds so i'd love people to hit us up with something that we might have missed or something that you'd like us to explain or 
particularly any of these like European road cycling terms that you're so familiar with they when you were a young guy moving to Europe, you probably never heard. And then you have these like an Italian screaming at you in a Peloton about something, right? <laughs> like, I'm sure. Yeah, there were a lot of phrases that, and some I, yeah, I wouldn't want to repeat here. But yeah, <laughs> we won't record. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll do that in a different podcast, and we'll put a big E on it. We'll swear in a bunch of different languages. That's it for this week. So we are definitely lining up a bunch of really cool guests um, from a bunch of different disciplines and also some non-cyclists too, but just outdoorsy people. It's just some people who are out adventuring right now, but we're going to pin them down and um, get some stuff recorded and get it out to you. And uh, yeah, if you want uh, want us to cover a topic or if you got a kick out of this conversation, hit us up and we can continue it in another podcast. That's it. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, buddy. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. Uh, as I said in the episode, we are in the uh, process currently of lining up some really, really cool guests. Please stay tuned. People that we're very excited to have on. But they, you know, it's uh, September, October here. People are still out adventuring and doing really cool shit. So uh, it's hard to, hard to nail down in the schedule. But as I said before, we are committed to bringing you uh, at least a weekly episode. So when we don't have a guest, we will we will talk about a, a whole host of variety of things that are topical or on our minds or just that we think are fun conversations. But we would love your help in creating some of that content. So if there's something that you'd like to hear more of, less of, whatever, always please reach out to us, adventureaudiopodcast at gmail.com. I promise we'll respond. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.